Hey, it's Luke, and you're listening to the Tea Talks Podcast. Once a month, I invite people to come over to my house in Atlanta and have some friends give short talks on anything they find interesting. We sip on tea, eat Pop-Tarts, and cultivate a community of curiosity. These are those talks being recorded live in my living room with my friends. Hope you enjoy. There are four common mistakes that we make when making big decisions. When I say big decisions, I mean decisions that take you longer than five minutes to make. So what kind of tea you're going to have tonight, you don't have to go through this process. Don't worry. As children, most decisions were made for us. Where will you grow up? What school will you go to? What will you have for dinner? Most of life's questions are answered by your caretakers. Then we grow up, move out of our upbringing, and dive into a world full of decisions, such as where will I go to college? What will I major in? Where will I live? Who will I live with? How do I make a resume? Where should I go to church? What am I doing with my life? And that's just the drop of the decision waters we wade in once we leave the home. Thankfully, many of them, like what socks will I wear today, don't take much effort because there isn't necessarily a right or wrong decision, or at least the consequences of making the wrong decision and payoff of making the right one aren't that impactful. However, there are plenty of decisions, specifically in our mid-twenties, that create meaningful change in our lives, and that can feel like a lot of pressure. It seems daunting to be forced to make such drastic decisions at such a young age when we're still wondering how this thing called life works. But the good news is there are plenty of tools to help us make such decisions. And this week's episode comes from my old boss, current friend Todd Linder, helping us walk through those tools. Todd is a passionate strategist that has a heart for learning what it takes to lead a life of intention. And it takes purposeful thinking to make a good decision. This episode is Todd walking us through methods to help us make decisions with purpose. I hope you enjoy these thoughts from Todd. All right, let's get into it. In 1983, there's a man named William Smithburg, whose life was changed forever when he tasted Gatorade for the first time. Yes. Life changed forever when he tasted Gatorade for the first time. The reason is because William Smithberg was the CEO of Quaker. And he tasted Gatorade and said, this is a product I want to be a part of. I like this beverage. So he made the executive decision to buy Gatorade. No, not the bottle, the company for $220 million, all based on taste. I don't have that kind of guts. I don't know if anybody in this room has that kind of guts. If you do, I want to talk to you afterwards. But he bought it, and it was kind of a blind bet. And after 10 years, so that was 1983, in 1993, he had grown Gatorade to be a $3 billion beverage brand, which is crazy. He bought it for $220 million with, with inflation since 1983. That would be almost over half a billion dollars. So he grew it to be pretty substantial, changed his life forever. That was 1993 when it was worth that much. In 1994, he had another life-changing encounter with Snapple. He tasted Snapple. He said, wow, this is amazing. I've done this before. I'll do it again. (laughs) So he bought Snapple. No, not the bottle of the company. And he did it for $1.8 billion. Bought Snapple. Now, Snapple was just as volatile as Gatorade was, but the wrong way. Three years later, he had to sell it for $300 million. Bought it for $1.8 billion. Three years later, sold it for $300 million. For all you math friends out there, 
That's the equivalent of losing $165,000 a day over that three years. Not a great decision. William Smithberg then had to step down as the CEO of Quaker after losing $1.5 billion of his company's money. And so we, we think about that, and this is actually one of the most studied decisions of all time in business, is what happened, the Gatorade rise and the Snapple fall. What happened in that? And I would argue, and a lot of other people would argue, that it was neither a good nor a bad decision to buy Gatorade, good nor bad decision to buy Snapple. It could have been purely luck. It could have been hubris. Either way, he did not have the tools to actually make a successful decision. And that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit is how do you make a good decision? When I was 22, who cared? It was just off gut. It was intuition. And there is a little bit of that to it, but there's actually a science to making a good decision. So if you guys, if any of this piques any of your interests, I have four people for you to look up. The first one is a guy by the name of Paul Nutt. He's probably the leading researcher on the subject of decision-making from leaders and organizations. He's very technical, so if you're into that kind of stuff, if you like research, go for it. If you want to get a little bit simpler, read a book. One of actually my recent favorite books is called Decisive by Dan and Chip Heath. They're brothers. One's a professor at Harvard. The other's a professor at Stanford. I'm sure their childhood was extremely underperforming and underachieving. And then the other uh, guy is named by Dr. John Townsend. He's a psychologist, and he probably has done almost more work on what makes up the internal of a person, what makes up someone's character in order to make them have better decisions later on in life. So what do you build earlier on to make better decisions later on? But between them, and most of this content actually doesn't come from my experience, I've just experienced it working. Most of this content comes from them in some other places. But between all their studies, there are four common mistakes that we make when making big decisions. And when I say big decisions, I mean decisions that take you longer than five minutes to make. So what kind of tea you're going to have tonight? You don't have to go through this process. Don't worry. But bigger decisions like who you're going to date or what job you're going to take or if you're going to get married, do it. It's awesome. There are four common mistakes that people make. The first one is we have too few decisions ahead of us, too few options. A lot of our decisions are binary thinking. It's either or, yes or no, do or don't. And the interesting thing about that is that's actually not a decision when you break it down. What you've done is you've put one option out there and said, am I going to go for that option or not? That's not a decision. The decision's already been made for you of where you're going to go. It's either forward or back. So if you add one more, then you're more likely to make a better decision because you have an actual decision, which is important. It's actually interesting. Researchers studied a whole group of executives uh, over the course of 10 years to determine if you instead moved away from binary thinking into multiple thinking or multi-track thinking, which is kind of the scientific name for it, what would the success difference be? And they found that if you up your decision-making from two options to three options, you are 66% more likely to succeed. That's it. 
So every either or decision from now on that you want to make, add one more and you're going to do better for yourself. Easy. If that's all you take away, we're good. But there are still three more mistakes we commonly make. Just, this is just human nature. The second one is called confirmation bias. How many times have you, because I've done this a lot, how many times can you think of where you thought you were right and then you went to Google to prove your point? When there were actually, you could have been wrong. Or in my case, oftentimes I was wrong. And that's what's called confirmation bias, is we want ourselves to be correct. And so we go look for information to tell us that we are right. And the way to switch that up is just to look at the opposite. So, okay, here's what I'm thinking. What if I look at the opposite and just tip a toe in the water to see like, what if that was actually true? Just for a moment, do a little research. What if that was actually true? And you might find yourself saving a lot of time and a lot of pain, in some cases, a lot of money because you're wrong. Or if you're right, good for you. You get a star. <laughs> awesome. The third one, so that's one, two, the third one. Anybody a feeler in the room? Yep, okay, maybe one or two of you. We're at T-Talks, curiosity. If you're a feeler in the room, don't get offended by this. Short-term emotion is one of the biggest mistakes we can use or have when making a decision. Now, I think, personally, emotion is vital to making a good decision. But short-term emotion, specifically, is actually can be really dangerous. So if you want to get into a debate about that later, or want to talk about that later, love to, not right now. But short-term emotion is vital in whether we make a good decision or not. And the reason is because when we just feel in the moment, what happens is we either get paralyzed or we get irrational. When we get paralyzed, we get conflicted. You have a big decision to make. You don't know which way to go. Should I do this or this? Or will it impress this person? What would that person think about me? Or, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or I'm going to get angry about that if I do that. Or whatever the emotion might be, fear, that paralyzes us sometimes and we can't make a good decision. Or we get irrational, which is the other side. Is because we're so emotional, we make a decision that doesn't make sense. And the solution to that, it's really simple, is know yourself and honor your values. Take the long view. Say, beyond these first 10 seconds, what matters? And actually, very simple way of thinking about it is called the 10-10-10 rule. How am I going to feel about this in 10 hours? Maybe how you feel about it right now. How am I going to feel about this in 10 months? How am I going to feel about this in 10 years? Now, 10 years is a little intimidating. But when you think about it in those segments, how would I feel about it in just a few hours, 10 hours, 10 months, 10 years, we can distance ourselves a little bit from the short-term emotion that either paralyzes us or makes us irrational when you actually stay true to who you are. Sometimes I don't want to study. 10 hours from now, not saying still going to feel great. 10 months from now, when I have to take another class because I didn't do well in that first class, I'm going to be really regretting that moment, right? That's just part of life, 10, 10, 10. So that's number three. And then finally, number four is we cannot predict the future. We are horrible predictors of the future. Go on a date. Why didn't you want a second date? Oh, I forgot to shower, but I was so confident that it was going to go well. We can't always predict the future. We're so often too confident, and we forget that we don't control other people. We don't control what happens around us as much as we'd like to think so. 
So what's the solution to that? There's two really great practical solutions to that. One is called tripwires. It's setting little goals for yourself along the way. A week out. Decide, you know what? A week from today, I'm going to take a step back, look around, say, is this just as good of a decision as it was a week ago? Am I still feeling the same way? Is this relationship still where I want to be? Do I like this car as much as I thought I might? Um, do I like this job as much as I think I like? That's one week. That's one tripwire. Then another week, take a step back and spread it out. Maybe two weeks, maybe a month later. But so we don't get on autopilot and find ourselves in the long term saying, I made a lot of bad decisions to get here. Not necessarily horrible outcomes, but not the outcomes we were looking for. So tripwires help us to make those good long-term decisions. And the last little strategy for number four is what's called bookending. It's basically best and worst case scenario. Figure out what's the best case scenario in this option and what's the worst case scenario in this option. Look at the worst case scenario and say, actually be realistic about it, write it down. Look at the best case scenario, be realistic about it, write it down and say, okay, how close am I in reality to these? think about it on a line. If you put yourself closer to the worst case scenario, you have a lot to gain and a little to lose. If you put yourself closer to the best case scenario, you have a little bit to gain and a lot to lose. So taking that into account, if you're hoping very close to the best case scenario, maybe it's actually not a good decision. Maybe you're just an internal optimist like myself and have to be reminded to come back down to planet Earth every now and then. But if you're closer to the worst case scenario, maybe it's worth the risk. Because if you lose, it's not that big of a deal. Everything's still going on. But then, once you actually do, prepare for both. There are plenty of businesses and plenty of people out there that crash and burn because they were not prepared for all the great things that came their way. You think about all the people in pop culture that we know that rose to fame so quickly. They got popularity, money, so quickly. It could be in athletics. It could be in music. It could be in entertainment, anywhere across the board. What happens to so many people? They weren't ready. They did not actually prepare for the best case scenario. And you find them a couple years later in rehab or on drugs or on the cover of some tabloid looking horrible in the grocery store. Not where they hoped to be three years before that. But while the worst case scenario in the moment was not that much to lose, they didn't prepare for the best. So when they got the best case scenario, they did not have the integrity, they did not have what they needed to actually get there. So for you guys, hopefully this is helpful. Four things to remember when you're making a decision. It's, not, it's like baseball. We're not trying to be perfect. Your batting average doesn't have to be perfect. You hit one out of every four in the majors, you're okay. You hit one out of every three, you're in the Hall of Fame. Is that that much of a difference out of every four? No. But over a long period of time, yes, it's a massive difference. And that's what gets us from making okay decisions, being successful sometimes, to making good decisions and being successful more often. So hope that helps. <laughs> Thanks so much, Todd, for sharing, and thank you all for listening to another episode. 
If you've now listened to a few episodes and like what you're hearing, then please take a second to leave a review. Those kind words go further than you realize. And stay tuned for some epic summer plans we currently have steeping. Good stuff coming your way. But until then, stay curious, friends. (laughs) 